Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, obesity, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. We've just experienced Mother's Day weekend, and in many homes, it is a time to celebrate and be celebrated. But for some, Mother's Day can bring up tough feelings of the relationship or lack thereof with their own mother, and maybe even how they are parenting as a mother. I'm really excited this week to dig further into the mother-daughter relationship with psychotherapist and coach Amelia Mora-Mars, founder of Mom Connections. Amelia works with women to heal past wounds related to their relationship with their mothers and then set them up for the future to be the mom that they really want to be. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. We get into how Amelia decided to focus on reaching out to moms, as well as why that mother-daughter relationship is so influential in our lives and key ways that we can heal for the future. So welcome, Amelia, to the podcast. I'm so happy to connect with you today. Thank you for inviting me. Love to be here with you. Awesome. So why don't we start with you providing a little bit of your background and how you got into psychotherapy and coaching? Okay. So I am one of four children. My parents are from Costa Rica and they came to the United States. And my mom is one of 12 and my father is one of nine. Actually, my mom is one of 18. Oh, wow. And I started a family here and um, I was afraid of my mom. I grew up just being really afraid of her. She had a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a very volatile temper. And I grew up um, being afraid of her and trying to protect my siblings. But I also had this weird fascination with the brain. And whenever there was a documentary or anything on bipolar, it intrigued me. And I think, I don't know that I really as a child put two and two together, but I wanted to help people. And probably more honestly back then as a child, I wanted to rescue people. I used to... Hmm fantasize of being like a little superhero um, because that was my escape to imagine that I could rescue us. And um, so I had this desire to be a psychotherapist at, you know, at a young age when I was doing my little um, middle school project. And um, eventually I did do that and um, started working with women. I just noticed that there was a lot of women like me who struggled with having an emotionally available mother and that just kept coming in my office and I loved working with these women having done the work myself and knowing what that was like and knowing that it was possible you know to be successful but then knowing that with therapy I can only help one person at a time and that's where the coaching came in to be able to help more women across the globe anywhere in the world and so that's kind of a little bit about how I progressed in that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That makes a ton of sense. So was it kind of just building on your own experience? Is that why you decided to focus on helping and reaching out to moms in particular? Yeah. You know, I, I used to say that my greatest fear was becoming a mom. I, I the thought of it was terrifying to me. I thought I, I tried to convince myself that I wanted to be more of a corporate woman and then just tell people I didn't want to have children. 
But then I realized that my biggest fear was not becoming a mom, but that my biggest fear was not doing something because I was so afraid. Mm. And the thought of being stuck and missing out on an opportunity that might have been really beautiful for me, that scared me more. And so I, I remember as a 19-year-old having this conversation with myself, what if motherhood is the thing that teaches me to relax and to be more loving and to be more nurturing and to be more playful? And I remember having a conversation with God. I was saying, it was disqualifying myself. I'm not loving enough. I'm not nurturing enough. I'm not anything enough. And I had this thought that I had believed a lie and that um, everything I needed was inside of me, but I had like cramped it down there and try to convince myself that it wasn't possible for me. And I, I had these like almost like, like vignettes in my mind where um, like I used to babysit children and like a mom would say, oh my goodness, my child never goes to anybody and here you just put her to sleep. Or mm -hmm. I had this one little boy that I babysat one time and when I left and his mom came and I left, he was crying for me, not for her. And I just had these memories that I, I was loving. I did love children, but I was trying to convince myself that that wasn't right for me. And so I knew that um, in, because my struggle, my struggle was really around the motherhood thing mm -hmm. that I wasn't alone. And I, as you know, as I became a therapist and more and more of these women came through, like they might be coming for anxiety or depression or a lack of boundaries. But when we got down to it, a lot of them just weren't modeled motherhood. And so that became my passion and that became my mission. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And so why is that kind of relationship or bond between mother daughter? And then it sounds like especially in early life, why, how come that then influences our entire life? Like, it seems like it's coming up for people, you know, a lot later. Yeah. So studies show that more than any other relationship in the family, that the mother daughter bond is the one that influences a girl's self-esteem and how she encounters and how she experiences other relationships in the future. So it continues to pass. If you don't deal with it, it continues to show up in the present. And that's what was happening for me. I had so much anger and hatred towards my mom and unforgiveness and fear. And I realized how powerful that is and how it keeps, it could potentially keep us stuck. And, um, so, yeah, so, you know, research supports that, that it really shows up and, and same with the lack of self-esteem, you know, the lack of confidence these women have and there's that bond, you know, if you think about it, you know, our mother was our first love. And when we looked into her face and she reflected back to us, what did we see? Did we see love? Did we see compassion? Did we see frustration or anxiety or anger? My mom was very overwhelmed a lot. She was very angry a lot. Um, she slept a lot. <laughs> Mandatory naps, you know. And mm -hmm. so that's what I saw. And I learned to people please. I learned to, I knew the two things that she really needed were her, her triggers were that she needed a really clean house and she needed quiet. 
And so even though I'm not the firstborn, I'm the secondborn, I kind of have that firstborn personality. I would play games with my siblings and I would say, okay, so mom's sleeping. Why don't you clean the kitchen? I'll take the bathrooms. You do the living room. And I would make a game out of it. I'd put music on and then I would time us. Okay, everybody go, you know. And here I am, this kid trying to calm the savage beast who's now rapping, you know. And so that became my way of life of, of am, I was okay if she was okay. I was okay if my siblings were okay. And so that's a very heavy burden to bear for a child. And then you kind of mm-hmm. bring it with you, right? You start to feel like you're responsible for other people's emotions. And um, we're not. Yeah, I could see how the people pleaser piece would come like so that if she's happy with what you had done in your instance of having everyone clean the house, then it sort of reinforces it for you, right? Yeah, exactly. Like she, to the things she used to say, if I was sitting just relaxed comfortably, um, she would say, well, what do you think you are, a millionaire? Or what do you think you are, um, a decoration? Oh, wow. He was, okay, I better not be sitting down mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. relaxed I better get up and do something because yeah. when I do something she used to say things like oh you look so beautiful wearing an apron oh you look so beautiful when you're cleaning and you know things like that so it's like okay and then she used to call me because my you know like I said my parents are from Costa Rica and um I was she used to call me her little secretary I would you know fill out the paperwork at um, for school and the forms and reader things and write her little letters and things that she needed in English. And so that's how I became to feel important to her right. as if we did things for her. And did that kind of create almost like an anxiety in you that like even later in life, you wouldn't be able to sit still because of those comments like that you'd always think I need to be moving. I need to be doing Yes. And I I caught myself once. I think I was pregnant with my twins, you know, I forgot to mention that I have 10 children that I have six daughters and four sons. Oh, wow. And um, I remember my husband coming home from work and I think I was pregnant with my twins. So I had a one year old, a two year old. And in my ninth month, I was told that I was having twins and he comes in the door. I could hear him roll up, you know, I could hear the car front door opening. And I remember thinking I need to get up and do something. I need to look like I'm busy. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is so pathetic. <laughs> I still carry that burden of thinking I better look busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though that was not my marriage story, it was still in my head. Yeah. No, actually, we had a very similar thing where it it was just kind of, yeah, you always felt like you had to be doing something that, you know, even when we'd come home after school, you sort of had this feeling of, okay, but when mom and dad come home, like I need to be doing chores, making dinner, like not watching TV, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. So I can identify with that for sure. And so, yeah, it seems like that bond is very influential throughout your life and it does stick. Um, And I guess I'm just thinking about, so then how do you repair that? Um, Is there an ability to repair or is, are the, there are certain tools, I guess, that you use to help women heal that. Yeah. I, and I, when I designed my program, I really thought a lot about it, taking the research because my specialization was attachment um, when I went to school because I had that fascination. 
And, um, but then also what were the steps and the processes that I went through to get myself um, in a better place? So I designed my program to really, number one, start with the person's attachment style. Because I think as women, we can be very critical of ourselves, very um, judgmental, very perfectionistic. And sometimes when you have understanding, when you understand that there's these four different attachment styles and why you might have the one you have and what led up to that, there's a sense of understanding, like, of course, I'm like this. Why wouldn't I be like this if I had um, this type of mothering? And so I always start there with the moms. Okay, what is your attachment style? And then she wants to um, do the attachment style with her daughters to her, her children just to have understanding with them. And then that self-love piece, because again, I was so trained to, I had this profound amount of love for my siblings and for my mom. And, you know, Latinos are a collectivist society. It's very much about the we. So I, I did we really well, but I struggled with the me. Mm-hmm. And so helping women to start to differentiate, because that's a process that we should have gone through growing up where I could be myself. Like I can have a bunch of siblings, but I'm still, I'm still me. It's not like we're all clumped together. And so helping women to, um, to have that self-love, because I feel like that self-love is the salve that, that really heals the soul and to turn the love and attention inward that has been, you know, most of our lives outward, you know, giving, people pleasing, rescuing, serving, that fear of abandonment, you know, that keeps us really stuck, full of anxiety. Um, and, um, and then, you know, support, just having that support. If we've been doing life by ourselves, it might be uncomfortable for us to receive compliments or receive support or receive help. It's like, no, thanks. I got it. Are you sure? Yeah, really? I'm fine. You know, mm-hmm. um, learning to receive, to receive that support and, um, and just the communication, you know, every, every style has a different way of communicating and, and, and the sense of boundaries, you know, how we need to communicate in such a way that we protect ourselves from, um, what happened and to prevent that from continually happen. If you live in a really healthy environment, it's natural. It's natural to say no. It's okay to say no. And you keep all the good in and you recognize when the bad is showing up, you you know what it's like because you, you lived in a emotionally safe environment. But if your home life was full of chaos or betrayal or secrets and abuse of different kinds or um, fear, and alcoholism or that kind of things, you know, it's like the bad things are on the inside and all the good is outside and it's hard to reach. And it's, I I say to women, you know, you could be dancing with the devil and your dress is on fire, but you might be saying, Oh, he's really nice guy. Well, he seems okay. (laughs) You know, we talk ourselves out of our realities Mm -hmm. because we don't know really what healthy is. So, um, and then putting it all together that, you know, I might be chronologically my age, but for women, what I notice or people with trauma is that there's parts of us that were frozen in time and we need to go back to those parts of us and thaw it out with that self-love so that we can be integrated and whole adults. You know, I tell women because I'll say that they feel like holes, they have holes in their heart, you know, going from holes to being whole. And that's loving all our parts, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the indifferent, you know. Um, and being okay with them. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, do you find, and, and I don't know if this was your experience at all, was there any kind of sibling rivalry then that started based on that home life? Or were you very close to your siblings then because of sort of kind of this common bond that you had? Yeah, it was, it was, we were close to each other. Like I remember going to Costa Rica with one of my siblings and I remember writing to my siblings at home that were left behind. I never sent a card or anything to my parents. It was, um, I just felt closer to them and we're all very different. We've all handled it very, what happened to us very differently, completely differently. Um, But I, I do see how sibling rivalry could show up in families for sure. Mm-hmm. But in my family, it wasn't that. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, no, I could just see it because when you think about like, um, you know, for a, in, for instance, your example of people pleasing, then if there's a child that doesn't do that, you know, they may feel jealous that you are kind of being seen as the good one. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, um, oh, I could see that there would be that instance for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember my mom used to call my younger sister um, that she'd always say, oh, she has such beautiful lips, like, like, oh, like a strawberry. So I felt like my younger one was the pretty one. <laughs> right. And yeah. I was the smart one. I was the secretary smart one who loved books and loved academics. Um, mm-hmm. My older sister was more like the domestic one. Okay. Um, but, she, but she struggled a lot with, um, in some ways, like my mom. So I would have to like, help her out. And then my brother came years later. He's a completely different kid because we raised him. <laughs> He's right. super, you know, male confident in Latino society too. That's, um, it's, you're raised differently anyway. But yeah, that would be a common thing too, is um, the people pleasing, like you mentioned, and, and what you're doing to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my parents, um, they didn't pay attention a lot, really. We just really didn't pay attention a lot because my mom was very much like a little girl in a lot of ways. Hmm. So she could cook and clean all the things she was taught. But like, just to give you an example of them is that um, this is my story. I don't know my, that my father would ever admit to it, but he came to this country and he had no one to take care of him. So he went back to Costa Rica. He had a blind date and he didn't like that lady, but my mom happened to be the, um, the chaperone. So he asked my mom out the next day. He was, I think he was on a mission to find a wife. He needed someone to take care of him. Hmm. So the next day he proposes to her and says, oh, lucky is a man that marries you. Will you marry me? And my mom's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so they got married two weeks later. You know, now their families knew of each other. They were godparents. And so um, my father went to her father and he says, yeah, yeah, take her. We know your family. So for her, it went from being, you know, kind of like a Cinderella in the house because she was number nine and she was responsible for cleaning and mopping and making beds to getting married in two weeks and then coming to California. So so they get married and she was like a little girl. Like when he would come home, she would hide in the closet like, he, 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 come find me, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, so. In a lot of ways, it was this this woman who um, was mentally young and very naive and struggled with her own mental health, um, now becoming a wife and a mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so definitely heavy in its own right, for sure. 
And so I know you focus through mom connections a lot on the mother-daughter relationship. Do you ever kind of also coach the mothers in terms of their mothers? Or is that kind of something that you leave? Does that make sense? No, yeah, no absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what I say to women is you are the bridge between the past, which is your mother, and the future, which is your daughters and future grandchildren. And so she is the bridge and she's the only one that can do the work and bring the healing in the present. So when I'm working with a woman, it's she's standing on that bridge as a daughter and Mm -hmm. as a mother. And so part of the work is both because you're healing from one thing, reconciling from one thing in order to become something more for yourself and to be able to become the mom that you always wish you'd had. Mm -hmm. So for me, the majority of the work was um, healing myself and coming to terms of forgiveness with my mother um, in order to be free, to love my daughters and pass on something very different and uniquely beautiful um, that I wouldn't have been able to do had I not done the work with my own mother. Right. That makes sense. And do you find that that's kind of a goal of people to kind of be the mom to their daughter that they wish they had? Yes. Yes. Because a lot of women, will, if I ask them about their own motherhood, they'll say, well, I don't know what to do. I just know what not to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah, so that becomes very much the goal for them. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the tips or takeaways that listeners could kind of use today, even if they wanted in order to move their relationship forward, either with their daughter or heal the past with their own mom or both? <laughs> yeah, I just I feel like it's it's really pay attention to to your heart, to your longings, to if you could imagine what kind of loving bond you would want, you know, it's like they say, you know, um, starting from the end, you know, our end goals, like what, what does it look like with, with my firstborn? She was such a difficult baby. She was not a difficult baby. She was just um, very um, like colicky and very, um, very much a crier. And, and, and years later I found out that she had bipolar. So that, kind of makes sense. But I remember having my firstborn where it was so hard to console her made it difficult for me because here I'm, you know, here I had my own fears coming into, Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. becoming a mom, you know? And so that, you know, life has a way of showing us what is missing, what is lacking, where the healing needs to go. And then when we have children, they're the little mirrors that reflect back what our face is saying, what our tone of voice has to say, our hands on our hips. These are all opportunities to take a look inside and think, oh, my goodness, I need to grow. I need to change. I need to heal. I remember one time my little my little uh, blue eyed girl, I have one child (laughs) with with pretty blue eyes. And I remember she had fear in her face. I looked at her face and she was afraid of me. And that was the biggest gift. If, you know, instead of being mad at it or or continuing anger, I thought, oh my goodness, in this very moment, she's afraid of me. And I have a choice. 
I have a choice how I'm going to react to her right in this moment, but also to take in this information. How do I change this so that I, I don't, you know, I don't look like that again. So um, we just really, we just really need to be paying attention to um, what, what was missing. You know, sometimes I think that we forget when we're mothering, like, hey, what did I want? What, what are the things that I wanted my mom to say? How mm-hmm. I wanted her to hold me how I wanted her to comfort me and how do I do those things in a way that's authentic to me um, to pass on those things so that my children actually love who I am, that it's a real bond. You know, it's such a gift. I have one son who's in the, um, at a military Academy and um, his, just what he decided for himself is I'm going to call you every week. You know, I didn't ask him to, it's the kind of relationship we had, you know, we had a really beautiful mother's day, call. He wanted to thank me. And, um, you know, that's the goal is I want when, when there's the holidays, I don't want them to dread it. I want them to want to come home, you know? So what Mm -hmm. is it that you ladies have to do to create a home environment where you feel at home in your own body, where your children feel at home, where they belong and they feel emotionally safe. And, um, and then how do we do that together? Yeah, no, for sure. I I can totally identify it. You want to have this relationship that really lasts, you know, throughout their life and, and that they, yeah, want to come, come home to (laughs) for sure. And so why don't you tell us a little bit more about mom connections itself and some of the coaching programs that you offer? Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of talk about my story in the about that. Um, just, I'm just going to go back a little bit is, is that, you know, my mom, was raised by a mom who wanted to be a nun. She wanted to serve God and she wanted to serve her community. And she was 17 years old and her father told her, no, you're going to get married and you're going to get married to this man who's twice your age. And so she never wanted to be a wife and she never wanted to be a mother. And yet she had 18 children, six died at various ages and so then she had 12. So that's who raised my mom. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think too, it's so important for us going back to your last question is to look at things multi-generationally. Right. Because I, I hated my mother. I mean, I can't even tell you how much I hated her. Um, but I realized looking back, I really hated the bipolar that she probably had. She was never diagnosed, you know, but, but I, I help women to look in terms of generationally and that we have a choice and the choice is only yours to make. Like I said, you are the bridge. You not only stand on it, you are the bridge and you can make the choices to, to change your generation so that um, things could be different. So what I do, I either have a group package where you can jump in and be part of a group. And, um, and for some that's just, um, nicer, right? Because mm-hmm. you have a community. And that's what I noticed with my therapy clients is I was the female connection, but once they left my office, they might not have a, a support. And I felt that way. I felt like I'm growing, I'm doing all this work, but I don't know who else is, mm-hmm. who else is doing this kind of work. Mm-hmm. So that's why I created the group. Um, but I also have a 90 day package. If somebody wanted, I would give them the course um, which is the mom's break in the cycle course. Um, but then working with me for 90 days, um, one-on-one, um, weekly, 
and um, and then I have a six month program as well. So just taking the time to just really focus on the women who give and love so dearly to their families, but who just need to be loved to and be supported while they're raising this beautiful family that they have. Yeah, that sounds really good. I mean, and I can see what you're saying in that the group can probably feel very validating to people, right? Like it's not just mm-hmm. the one, one-on-one kind of, but hearing from each other and then having that bond. Exactly. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, I guess, are there any other kind of t- key takeaways or, or lessons that you've learned that you want to leave for listeners? I mean, one of the exercises that I give my clients is just to take a piece of paper and just fold it in half. And just during the week on the left side of the paper, just really write down, just pay attention to all the nuances in life of things that you really love. Just pay attention because we're so trained to do um, what we should do, obligations. So, you know, just using all your senses, what you love to smell and taste and feel and the people, places, and things that you love, love, love to be around. And then on the right side, all those things that really bug you, (laughs) the people, places, Mm -hmm. and things that get on your nerves, um, you know, all the have to, shoulds, you know, on, on the right side of the paper. And at the end of the week, at the end of the week, just really evaluate where are you living? Are you living a life that's, that's beautifully you? Are you living a life because that's what you should do. And that's, you know, obligatory. Um, Are you true to yourself? Are you doing things that you love? Are you listening? Are you jumping in the car and turning on the radio for yourself? Or is someone grabbing the, you know, the, the, the station and changing it for them? You know, and I like to tell women, you know, if you were driving a car, are you driving the car? Are you Mm -hmm. in the passenger seat? Or are you in the back seat? Or God forbid, are you in the trunk? Where are you in your life? Who has the reins on you? Whose life are you living? And then be really honest about that. And um, only you, right, can choose that. And I, I just want women to know that they are the most important and influential and impactful woman in their child's life. And you are modeling to your children every day how to live. They are watching you. They can see you if you have boundaries, if you don't. If you're anxious, if you're hiding behind being busy, they can see that they're learning those things. Right. And right. We, we learn things. And then when we go through the growth process, we have to unlearn them and Mm -hmm. then relearn them. So where are you? What is it you want your children to pass on and how do you want them to live their life? And then are you modeling those things? Are you living those things? Because you deserve it. You deserve to be happy, mamas. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you deserve mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to feel at the end of the day, like you're kind of doing doing motherhood in the way that you want, the right way for you. That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I was a stay-at-home mom for a lot of years. And, um, you know, back to I had wanted to be a therapist. But. I remember doing the little report and it's saying that you had to do your own therapy. And as a young child, I thought, oh, my gosh, no, I don't want to talk about my childhood. I don't want to think about it. Um, But I remember I was doing some studies on being a coach and I was studying the attachment thing that I'm talking about. And it was a therapist. and I was watching the the CDs and um, I was just looking at her and I had this huge crocodile 
crocodile tears from my face just dripping down. And I remember being shocked, like, what is this? What is happening to me? I almost felt embarrassed, you know? Mm -hmm. And I sat there and I remember speaking the words, um, I never finished. I never finished. And I knew exactly what that meant. I never finished my education. I never finished what I wanted to do. I just stayed busy and acted like, um, well, no, you know, I'm a mom and that's it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I jumped up and my husband had a home office. I went into his office and I told him the story. He says, well, then he says, you need to go back. You need to go back. And um, so, you know, again, it's just that really paying attention to who you were created to be. Motherhood is a beautiful, beautiful thing, but there's other parts of us. Mm -hmm. There's other facets of us. And um, it's okay to explore those things and become more and to give more, you know, I'm, I never thought I would be where I'm at in my life today. Um, because I thought so small, you know, mm-hmm. and so when you put yourself out there and you grow and you grow, it's like, oh my goodness, I can actually, um, not only help myself, but I can help other people too. Mm-hmm. And so- well, and continue that modeling as well, right? Like your kids see that. No, that's great. And that attachment does seem very interesting. Like I had heard of attachment parenting, um, something I read a lot as, you know, when I had infants, but sort Mm -hmm. of these styles are a little bit different. So that seems really interesting. Yeah. Attachment parenting is more about um, wearing the child, you know, Mm -hmm. playing, um, sleeping, co-parent, co-sleeping, those kinds of things. Um, That's different than your attachment styles. There's four of them. One of them is secure. And that would be like you're, you're the type of woman that knows that she's imperfect, but she's confident. She's confident that, you know, when, you know, I've never been a mom before, but we'll figure this out together. And if she needs help, she has no problem asking and she has no problem apologizing. And when the child is old enough to wander off, she's there. She's excited. The child wanders off. And you know how children are. They turn around. Are you, are you still there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they're excited to explore, but then they're, oh, okay, wait, wait. Is she paying attention? The and, panic, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then the mom smiles. And there's just this bond of confidence. And the child grows up feeling confident exploring and coming back to mom. And again, they know it's they're not perfect, but there's this emotional safety that's there. And so that child is able to take that into other relationships. When you have an anxious mother, she might put the child down and then the child wanders off. Are you okay, honey? Oh, are you know, come back. Don't do this. Don't do that. And so the child starts to feel like, Oh my goodness, you know, do I help comfort my mom and come back or do I continue to explore? And so these moms um, might not feel that confident raising the child. They might feel like they really need their child to be a certain way to make them feel more confident and competent. Mm-hmm. Um, they might be more that hover helicopter mom because it's based on fear, you know, and so they're so fear oriented and it's hard not to inadvertently pass it on to the child. You know, and and later on, either the child can become just as scared of the world or very rebellious. <laughs> like right. I'm tired. I'm very tired of this. The avoidant mom um, was probably more um, what I was raised with, and that is um, they subconsciously don't believe that they have what it takes 
who emotionally connect. They might be very loving in the sense by giving money or doing things. They might be um, uh, very competent at work, hard workers, but have a hard time emotionally connecting. They might not be good with um, words of affirmation. I really love you. I'm proud of you. They might not feel comfortable with physical touch. They might have difficulty trusting people like, "Mm, no, if you really want it done, you know, I'll do it myself. And so they had maybe had a mom or caregivers that were not there emotionally. And so what happens is you, you end up carrying your own emotions. And that's kind of scary for a child, for a child to sit there with their own emotions, because as parents, we're supposed to contain our children's emotions. But if a parent is too disconnected or too anxious, you're kind of left there trying to figure out life by yourself. And so that's how I felt growing up. Like I was trying to figure out life by myself. You know, I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I really had an adult that was directing me. And, um, and then the last one is the um, anxious avoidant attachment style. And I, I would categorize myself in that one too, because that one is you have a parent who's there to love you, but you're also afraid of that parent. So it's like, I want to go to you, but you're also the source of my fear. So I don't know what to do. That puts me in a quandary of, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if you can meet my needs. And um, so, and the, but the beautiful, of, uh, the beautiful thing about these attachment styles is the more work you do on them, the more you surround yourself with people that are emotionally safe, there's something called an earned secure attachment style. And that is you slowly become it slowly evolve into it. And um, so it's not like you're stuck. Like I'm going to be anxious, nervous, wreck my whole life or disconnected, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, distrusting because the more you are around people. And of course it takes time because you have to undo again. You learn something, you have to unlearn it, you have to relearn it. Um, but it is possible. No, that's great. That's really encouraging. I'm sure, you know, as people are kind of seeing themselves in different spots and thinking, what do I do? What do I do now? Um that there's, there's kind of a way to take that path forward. And I really like the analogy about, you know, who's driving your car. I think that exercise that you talked about, it really, it almost sounds like, you know, a, a version of a mindfulness exercise mm-hmm. in kind of looking at what things do, are you loving that you're doing and then what, what things are haves or should be um, and where, where is that time going? So that sounds like something that people can do right away. And, uh, probably really see where they're at. Right. Right. This is great. This is such great information, Amelia. So how can listeners find out more information about you and about some of your coaching on mom connections? Is there um, social media that you've got? Where can they find out more? Yes. So they can either go on my website, which is mom connections with an S.com. Then with Facebook, I have a page, momconnections.com. If you want to be part of my group, I call that Mom Connections um, Remothering Tribe, and that's also on Facebook. I also have, for those of you who are familiar with Linktree, um, you can go to Amelia Mora Mars, Linktree Amelia Mora Mars, and then it has all my um, links there, my quiz on taking the attachment style, um, Instagram. Oh, yeah, mom connections. So yeah. No, that sounds great. So what I'll try to do is link up to as many of those as I can in the show notes. Um, 
And uh, then everybody can take the quiz. That sounds really good. Thank you. Yes, that sounds perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Amelia. I think um, your story will probably resonate with a lot of people and also the challenge that you faced in sort of how how to be the best mom in terms of um, some of the issues that you had in, in growing up and how then that translated. I think, I think a lot of people struggle with this. So um, I really, I think everyone's fortunate that you're doing what you're doing. Thank you so much, Sarah. I appreciate the invitation and the opportunity to share with women. I, I really appreciate that. Great. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much to Amelia Mora Mars for her time today. I really loved her tips on self-love and why that's so important, as well as her exercise about taking a piece of paper and writing down things that you love on one side and have twos on the other and then really examining where you're living. I think that's something that we could all really benefit from. And I love the way that her programs really reach out to women and also um, provide that group in terms of coaching and creating a community. So again, if you would like to find out more about Amelia, please visit her website, momconnections.com. Also the Facebook groups that she talked about and her Facebook page and her link tree, Amelia Mora Mars, where all of that wonderful information is as well. I will put those in the show notes and you can check them out. Have a great week. I wrote a book. I'd love for you to check it out. Pendulum by S.E. German is available now. Pendulum is a heartwarming story that follows a young boy who experiences mental health challenges like anxiety, OCD and depression, ADHD and tics following an infection. It turns out he has a little known disorder called PANDAS. The book follows the young boy as he struggles with his health issues as well as regular middle grade issues and it can act as a wonderful catalyst between you and your children to talk about mental health issues and other things that are going on in their life. Pendulum is available online through Amazon Worldwide, Barnes & Noble, the Friesen Press Bookstore, and a number of other online retailers worldwide. And you can check out Chapter 1, the audio version of Pendulum for free on the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast in Episode 64. I hope you enjoy Pendulum by S.E. German and let me know what you think. Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you are looking for that advice, please seek that out from a professional. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can visit my blog, www.theallergybeast.wordpress.com or follow me online at Sarah Lady Gluten on Instagram, S-A-R-A-L-A-D-Y-G-L-U-T-E-N, or the Facebook page, Sarah-Lady Gluten. If you do like the podcast, please consider subscribing so that you will get the podcast update every week and or reviewing the podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Thanks again and have a great week.
I'm excited to announce that in June of 2021, I'm going to be running my first 30-day challenge for everyone that signs up for my mailing list. As you may know, I'm giving out a 30-day self-care calendar when you sign up for my mailing list. And along with that, we can then do all of those 30 ideas that are only 10 minutes long throughout the month of June. Every day, join me as I'm doing IG Lives and posting about it on my Instagram account and start building in the self-care to every day. So if you want to join me, please visit the link in the bio of my Instagram page. It's at Sarah, S-A-R-A-L-A-D-Y-G. L-U-T-E-N at Sarah Lady Gluten. Click on the link in my bio and from there at the bottom of that page you can sign up for my mailing list. I tend to send emails every two weeks or so with just updates on the podcast and my writing and things that are going on and you'll also then right away get a free 30-day self-care calendar. Join me for Self-Care June.